Once again, we are looking at a verse that you probably are familiar with in another translation. Uh, some say, oh, we know that all things work together for good. I've read some that say, you know, we know that God works in all things, like He is working in their midst. Uh, this translation, though, says God causes all things to work together for good. And so if it's a little bit tricky, let's go ahead and just say it a few times together, maybe to help this translation start getting into our, our minds and in our hearts. Let's say this together, shall we? At least it's only one slide. I'm always, I'm always happy if I can get it on the one. Uh, but Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to His purposes. Alright, let's... Took away a few of those words. Let's say this together again, shall we? Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And let's say this one last time. And, and I, I think I heard some purposes there on the last one. It, it is singular. All right. I've, it wasn't? I had it. Oh, man, I goofed that up. Well, it is singular, so I apologize for that. I must have written it incorrectly there. All right. It's going to be incorrect the whole way through then, if that's the fact. Here we go. Let's say it again. <laughs> Romans 8.28 And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who, are, who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. Alright, there we go. Always To those who are, you know, want to do the called by God instead of who love God and called according to His purpose. Well, the focus this morning is kind of a funny one because our focus is on this idea that God causes. That He causes. And yet, the word cause or causes is not technically in the original uh, language, in the Greek manuscripts. It's the word works. The word uh, work together is the word that shows up in the Greek. But in the grammar of it, in the way that word works in that text, and with God being named there, it's the idea. You can have things that work together, and you can have a person who causes them to work together. And so if you are working them together, which is, if we were going to say it literally, it would be working together God, that's where we get this idea of the cause. That, that God causes all things to work together for good. For those to those, excuse me, who love God, to those who are called according to His purposes. And, and, and you know, like I said earlier, some of the some translations say uh, all things work together, and the all things becomes the subject of the sentence. They're the, the thing that's doing the action of working together. But when you think about it, things on their own don't necessarily work together. 
If I want a hammer and a nail to work together, I've got to pick them up. And I've got to put them together. I've got to make them work together. And in our lives, what this Scripture is telling us is that in our lives, all things, and even there, all things, things isn't necessarily in the Word. It's really just all. All works together. All our experiences, our circumstances, the choices we make, the choices other people make, the actions we take, the actions we don't take at times. All of these things, God is working in them and causing them to work together for a specific purpose. And I want to point out, it's not that God is making all the things happen. Right? God doesn't cause us to sin. He doesn't cause us to make certain choices. We make those choices. We decide if we're going to go to the right or to the left. We're the ones that decide if we're going to obey God or not. But within those choices that we make and that the people around us make, and within those circumstances that we find ourselves in, God is working. He is causing them to work together for a purpose. What, what God causes is not the things in our lives, those circumstances, but God is the cause of the good. God is the cause of the good that those things are being worked for. And He is working for them. And I always find this kind of interesting. It's, he is, he's causing all things to work together for good to those who love God. He's not doing it for us. He's not doing it on our behalf. But He is doing it to us. In us. For us in that sense. That it is for our benefit. For our growth. He is working and causing to work all things together for good. He is the cause of the good. And and so when we're dealing with our circumstances and we're dealing with situations and we're thinking, what is God doing in this? What Paul wants us to remember is that we see, we know, in in verse 28, we know that God causes all things to work together. That word know, there there are basically two Greek words that that we translate as to know something. One of them is always easy for me to remember because it's a Greek word, genoso, and, and I always think of it as I know so, genoso. You know, I know so. It, it rhymes. That's how I remember it. You know, if it helps you, great. If not, let it go. But this is the idea of something I have learned, something I have been told, something I ha- ha- have learned. I've grown into this knowledge. That is that is what gnoso means. I know it to be so. This word that is we know, it's based on the the, the verb to see. And it's the idea that we see. We know something because we see it. Right? I know this is here. This podium is black because I see it. I know it. We see. And so what Paul is saying in essence is we see that God causes. As we look around in the world and as we look in our lives, we know, we see it that He is He is causing all things to work together for good. He is the cause of bringing about 
the good in it. He isn't the one saying, oh, I want to do this terrible thing or that terrible thing, but He is causing through those decisions that we make, and oftentimes I'm obviously gravitating to bad stuff, but He can work in good things too. But the point is, and the focus is, is that He is causing them to bring about good in our lives. Good to us. We see it. It's all around us. It's, it's in the history, and we know it. This is in the context. When he's saying we know that God causes all things, what kind of things, what, what's the all? What's the context of the all? In Romans chapter 8, Paul is going on about our struggle with sin. And, and, and he's talking about how he wants to do certain things. Well, this is actually going back to chapter 7. He, he wants to do right, but he does wrong. And the wrong things that he wants to stick away from, he ends up doing. And he says, what is going on in my life? What will save me from this? And of course, his answer is, thanks be to God that He has been saved through Jesus Christ. That He, he in His Spirit, He does righteousness even if His body is still full of sin and death. He is focused on serving. And so, as He, he goes on about this struggle with the, the law and and living in in faith, he tells us in verse 18, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And and so as he's talking about struggling with the, 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 the slavery in our lives that we can be enslaved to sin and to death, and yet we have been set free in Christ, but we're in a position where we still experience sin. We're, we're, we're in a position where we are still bound into the world that is beset with sin. In fact, after he talks about that these, these sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed for us, he says the whole creation anxiously longs for the day when it will be restored. That all of creation has been thrown into futility, not of its own work, but God did that so that He might redeem it, that He might bring it back out. And we as believers, we groan and we desire to see Christ come back and we are struggling through this life. So his, the, the focus of we know God causes all things to work together for good is within the context of the suffering that we experience and that the world experiences, but our hope is in Christ. And so it is within that mindset, that area of suffering that he says, you know what, I know that God works or causes all things to work together for good. And and Paul's present struggles and the struggles that the church was facing, he was reminding them that our hope is in Christ and our hope is in God. And he even talks about how the, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, that we don't even know the right ways to pray. And the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf with groans that we can't even understand. And it's within that context that he says, we know God has causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him. The idea here is is that even when we are suffering, in the midst of your suffering, God is at work. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times when things aren't going well for me, that's when I'm usually wondering where God is. What's God doing? 
Why is God allowing this? Nobody ever questions when they're having a good time, when things are going well. Nobody ever says, why is God allowing this? <laughs> you know? If, if, if you just succeed and succeed and you made money and you're getting to buy good stuff, nobody says, why is God allowing this? You know, we've got to be careful when God is allowing us those things, probably more so than when God is allowing us to suffer. Because it's through suffering that we grow. One of the, I mean, just think, what is, the, what is the difference between a spoiled adult and a mature adult? Chances are the spoiled one didn't suffer enough through life. If we don't struggle, if we don't suffer, we become spoiled. And you all can think of people that you can think of and say, yeah, that person's a spoiled brat. They just didn't ever have to work for things. They didn't struggle for things. They didn't have to experience hardship you can not experience hardship and still be a decent person. But it's through the suffering. It's through the struggle that we gain. It's one of the reasons why an inheritance handed down, you know, you get, you get people that make money on their own and they have a good uh, financial wealth, they have a different attitude about it than if they hand that down to their kids. And the kids never struggled for it. The kids lived in comfort. And then they just expect to have this money with them. No, there, there's something to the struggle. There is something to that. And that's what happens. In the midst of our suffering, God is at work. And oftentimes, He is at work mostly in our suffering and our struggles. That's why Paul considered that these present momentary sufferings, the, the sufferings of the present time, weren't worthy to be compared with the glory. Because on the one hand, these sufferings aren't, aren't even close in comparison to the glory that we're going to experience in Christ. But also, these sufferings are to my benefit. Paul even looked at his own time in prison and said it's, to my, it's, it's for the benefit of the Gospel that I am in prison. How often do we look at the things that we are going through, our struggles, our suffering, the, the hardships of our life, and we thank God for them because He is working in them for our good. That, that He has His purposes planned out through them. In fact, that's... I mean, that, that's what he says here in verse 28. To those who are, are called according to his purpose. He, he's got desires for us. He's got reasons for doing this. I think of when I think of the, the suffering, in the midst of your suffering, God is at work. You know, one of the greatest examples we have of that is Jesus Christ himself. When Jesus went to the cross, in just a little bit, verse 32 of chapter 8 says uh, that God did not spare his own son but delivered Him over for us all. How will He not also with Him freely give us all things? That, that God took Jesus and allowed Him to suffer on the cross. That God took Jesus and allowed Him to live. I mean, we, we focus on the cross, but I think all of Jesus' life, to a certain extent, had to be suffering. To be spirit. To be om, uh, omniscient. Omnipotent. To lay those aside. To, to become flesh. To become human. And to live perfect without sin in the midst of sin. Have you ever been out and about and there are people who are vulgar and they don't care about the fact that they are being vulgar in a crowd? 
And they don't care about the things they say or the words they use or the things that they're talking about. And, and you have your kids or you have your grandkids with you and you just want to cover their ears up and you want to get them away and you want to tell that person to stop saying the things they are saying and stop talking the way they are talking. We experience their sin and, and not that we are righteous in any way, but we at least attain to it. Imagine what it must be for God. It has got to be like that exponentially all the time. And you don't even have to cuss and you don't even have to be vulgar. Just our thinking. You know, we were with a bunch of other teenagers the last couple of days and listening to William and his buddies talk is it's just, you know, you just kind of sit there and say, okay, you guys are so brilliant. You guys are so smart. I mean, 17, they're at the apex of human knowledge. You know, I only hope someday to be as wise. But I remember I once was as wise when I was 17 and 18. And you just, you're just you know, I, I imagine that God feels the same way as we do. We, we have our ideas and we have our theories and we have our knowledge. And he's just like, ah, okay, whatever, you know. You guys keep thinking that. I'm going to keep working. And that was Jesus' life on earth that he came to save us and he walked with us and he suffered and he experienced the sin of the world while he walked on it and then he experienced the fulfillment of that sin by going to the cross and being killed on our behalf suffering death and shame and yet during that time God was doing good stuff through him during that suffering during those struggles God was teaching people through Jesus. He was, Jesus was teaching His disciples. He was proclaiming the Gospel kingdom. He was showing people in how He lived a different way of living. A different uh, focus. Different priorities. He showed us how to love our enemies because He loved His enemies. He showed us how to turn the other cheek because He turned the other cheek. He showed us how to live and suffer because He lived and suffered. And through that, God was doing good things. And especially through the suffering on the cross, God was redeeming us through Him. And, and Paul even talks at times about, you know, he's fulfilling, he's filling up the suffering of Christ in his own body. And, and not that we become little saviors when we suffer, but if God was working good through Jesus Christ when Jesus was on the cross and through Jesus' life on earth, as you experience suffering, as you experience different struggles, know that God is working, that He is causing good to come out of them, that He is using those things together to make good happen. In fact, he, he tells us we know that, in verse 28, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To who? To those who love God. And in, in fact, in, in the way it was written, Paul wrote it, uh, to those who love God is actually the beginning of the sentence. To lo we know that to those who love God, God causes all things to work together for good. To those who are called according to His purposes. And so those who love God and those who are called according to His purposes are the same people. It's just you know, repetitive to a certain extent because when we repeat things, they matter. When we re repeat things, they're true. So those who love God are those who are called according to His purposes. And, and if, if, if you've been called according to His purpose, you'll find that you love God. And if you 
happen to love God and you feel that you love God, know that you have been called according to His purpose. And what is that, that purpose that He has for us? It tells us in verse 29, uh, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. To those whom He predestined, He also called. To these whom He called, He also justified. And these whom He justified, He also glorified. You know, God's doing a lot of work. Predestined, He called, He justified, He glorified. If God is doing all that work in us, verse 31 says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? And, and, and what that means is it doesn't matter who's against us. It doesn't matter what is happening in our lives, what we struggle with, who, who doesn't like us, who is working against us, Satan and his temptations that he is driving us with. Who can be against us if God is for us? It doesn't matter who is against us if God is for us. What can we say about these things? That God has worked so hard that He is... He is work, uh, causing all things to work together for good for those that He loves, or that love Him, that He has called according to His purpose. Those are the people He foreknew. He predestined them to become conformed. He called them. He justified them. He glorified them. And not only that, He says He did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us all. How will He not also with Him freely give us all Thanks. If God is working so hard in our lives, do you think that He's going to just ignore us or forget us? If you are struggling with something today, if you are suffering, if you're wondering where God is, God is at work. He, is, he, is, he, he might not have made those choices. He might have preferred you to make other choices. We, we have to take responsibility for the choices we make and the actions we take and the things that we do. And, and there would have been better ways to go, no doubt. I'm sure each one of us can think of, oh, it would have been so much better. My life would have been a lot better had I made this decision instead of that decision. And, and you know what? God's probably sitting there saying, oh, you think that? I can show you a dozen different times that your life would have gone a lot better had you made different decisions. But you didn't. we got to make sure we understand that just because God is causing all things to work together for good doesn't mean we just go and do whatever. No, we should still seek to do His will and to find His righteousness. But even when we go the wrong way, even when we make bad decisions, even when we sin, it does not excuse the sin. It does not excuse the decisions we've made. But God is at work to redeem them. He is causing them to work together for good. I, I, I view it, you know, it's not that God just set everything up and He let it go. God is actively working and interacting with our own decisions. And not just ours, but every human being on the planet. He is, he is working in all things and all people to cause good to those who love Him. 
He is, he is actively working about it and for specific reasons that, that He might bring about His glory in our lives. It's, it, when, we, when we talk about good, that He is working in all things for good to those who love Him, it's, it, it's not necessarily what we think is good. You know, what I think is good is comfort in my own way all the time. That, that seems pretty good. That's not always good. What is good, though, is that He would be glorified. And his, that's His desire. He is predestined, called, justified, glorified. And it's His desire to freely give us all things through Jesus Christ. So, so what God is working at in our lives, what He is causing all things to work together for good, is that God will bring about His glory in our lives. He allows us to struggle so that He might be glorified and He might bring about His glory in us. He, he, he works with us through our suffering. He works with us through our, our good decisions. Yeah, as much as we can glorify God that He brings us through difficult times, I think it glorifies Him even more when we don't go through those difficult times because we obey Him. And sometimes when you obey Him, you'll still go through the difficult times. Just because somebody is struggling, just because somebody is suffering, doesn't mean they have been disobedient. Sometimes as we walk with God, we are going to go and suffer. I think Jim Elliott and the other missionaries that went to the Aka Indians, they were obeying God. I don't think they were willfully sinning against Him. They suffered. Their families suffered. But God was working in it and causing it to work together for good. And in a way, they needed to die so that those Indians might be saved. That was not suffering out of disobedience. Sometimes even when you're walking with God. And in fact, in this life, it's a, it's a trustworthy statement that if you are walking with God, you will suffer. This is why those that proclaim uh, the, that God only wants good things in your life and He doesn't want you to hurt and He doesn't want you to suffer... Uh, that's a teaching from the pit of hell. Because Paul has said everyone who desires to live a godly life is going to suffer. As long as this world is full of sin, those who don't want to sin are going to suffer in this world. But God is working in that to bring about His glory in our lives. And when we, when we talk about what is good, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. It's not comfort. It's not necessarily peace in external circumstances. But what does he say right there in verse 29, right after, according to those who are called according to his purpose? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. You know, the, the, the word purpose in verse 28, according to His purpose, we can just go back to that one real quick. The, the word purpose there, it's the word that they used 
to describe the showbread that was put on the altar by the, the priests for God, and only the priests were allowed to eat that bread. It, it, it has the idea of being consecrated, of being decided beforehand that it is going to be put to holy use. Okay, that's, that's where we get the idea of the purpose language there. That, that it is something that was decided beforehand. It's, it's set forth for a specific purpose. And so, and so as we're going through our lives, as we are experiencing all things happening, our decisions, uh, other people's decisions, our circumstances, and we wonder what is going on here, we know because we see it, that God has had a plan from the very beginning. And we're a part of that plan. And He has set aside and planned a specific purpose. And what He tells us in verse 29 is that those whom He foreknew, He also predestined. He had determined beforehand that they would become conformed to the image of His Son. Now we looked at this word conformed, not this word specifically, but Back when we were doing Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, remember we need to be transformed, not conformed, transformed uh, into the likeness of Christ and not be conformed to this world. That word for conformed meant to take on an external appearance, to, to look externally just like everybody else around you. This is a different word for conformed. We translate it the same way, but it's a different word. It it has a similar meaning. It means to be the same as, but now the word, the root word of it, is not external, but internal. It's the idea of having the same essence, the same internal essence, and, and that your form, your outside form, embodies your internal essence. So, so for instance, as Christians, what, what happens first? Do we, do we become clean on the outside and then gradually become clean on the inside? No. What, what happens is that Jesus and God through the Holy Spirit changes our hearts. He makes us live internally. And, and as we grow in Him, that becomes evident externally that the joy in our hearts becomes the joy in our face, that the peace in our hearts becomes the peace in our words. We become externally what is internal. And that's what he means to be conformed to the image of his Son. That that we would be like him in our hearts. That we would appear like him externally only because internally we are like him. And, And that... That is really what God is focused on and what Paul is talking about here. His his working together for our good isn't so that we can get ahead in this world or or have peace and and comfort and security now. No, the, the ultimate good that God is working for, the ultimate good is becoming like Jesus. That in our hearts we would be like Him. That in our external behavior and actions, an attitude we would be like him. And Jesus suffered. Jesus struggled. We will experience those struggles. We will, we will be experiencing that suffering as well. And that's, that's his purpose for the things that we go through. When we wonder, why is God allowing this? Why is this happening? He might not have chosen for those things to happen. We might have made some choices. Other people in our lives might have made choices. 
But God's permitting it. God's working with it. God's allowing it because He knows He can use it for, for the ultimate good that He wants for us in our lives. That we would be more and more like Christ. And, and that truly is the goal. The goal isn't to become bigger and better. The goal isn't fame in this world. The goal isn't to have more stuff that doesn't stick with you. What what was Jesus' goal? Change lives. To bring in a people who were not a people. To bring them to Him. For His disciples, His followers, to lay up treasures in heaven. Not not here on earth where they they rust and the moths eat them. His, his focus and His desire was so much higher than what we settle for. What we think God is working for. But His desire is for us to become like Him. And so, as we think about people that are more and more like Christ, you know, it, it's, they're, they're probably, in our eyes, diminishing as they become more and more like Him. As John the Baptist said, He must increase, I must decrease. But that's God's desire for us. That's His goal. That's His purpose. That's what He is causing these things to work together for. So when we when we say this verse, don't don't think of it as oh God's you know he's he's working to make sure I get ahead in this life. No, he might not be. But you can know no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what you're facing, no matter how close or how distant God feels at the time. Know, because we have seen it in the past and we see Him working today. Know that He is causing all these things to work together for good. To you if you love Him, if you have been called according to His purposes. He has not forgotten you. He is working so that you might become more and more like Jesus. Let's say this one last time together, shall we? And then we'll, we'll close. Leave that, that last S off the purpose there, though, okay? Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have called us. Lord, that You have enabled us to love You. As John writes, we love because You first loved us. And so we recognize, Father, that nothing we have is from ourselves. Our lives You have given us. Love You have shown us and You enable us to reciprocate. Father, all we have is from You. And it is for Your glory. We pray as we go through struggles in life, as we wrestle with sin and the desire to be righteous, as we suffer at the hands of those who do not believe in Jesus, Lord, help us to have a different view. Not to, to think that You have abandoned us or that You must be punishing us, but that You are at work. And that our goal, our purpose, is not that we would have comfort today, but that we would become more and more like Christ 
that we would be more and more like Your Son, Jesus. Father, we pray that You would put into our minds those things that we are experiencing right now. All the things going on in our lives. Work, family, relationships, our own choices, our own struggles. Lord, help us to see that You are working in them. That You are causing them to come about for our good. Our growth in You. We pray, Father, for anyone here today who does not feel that they have answered the call to believe in Jesus. Maybe they don't even feel like they love You. We pray, Father, that they would, they would come to love You. That they would experience Your love for them. And that they would respond. If there is anybody here today, Father, who is at that place where they have heard Your call and they want to respond, We pray that they would. That they would believe in Jesus and trust in You that You are working and You value us so much that You desire to give all things through Jesus Christ to make us more and more like Him. To share the kingdom with us. Father, help us to trust in You today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.